The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I have a special guest today, somebody I've known for a long time. Aileen Black is with me, a storied career in our market, most recently with our, our friends at, at Google. But let's start with that. Uh, tell people who you are and where you've been. Well, thank you, and thank you for the comment about storied uh, career. Uh, first off, I truly believe I'm one of the luckiest people on the planet. Um, but I started out uh, as an engineer, uh, so I studied engineering, um, uh, information systems, uh, you know, computer science in my undergraduate degree, and I was fortunate enough to get a um, graduate assistantship to get my MBA re- immediately out of school. So uh, I was able to finish uh, my master's degree before I turned 23. Whoa! I I was in a hurry. Pretty cool. uh, always focused, and apparently mm, uh, so. <laughs> very focused. Uh, and then I was fortunate enough to join a company that uh, some of us might remember by the name of Data General, and uh, I was an engineer there for a couple of years, and then switched into sales when I realized I really loved marketing and sales. Well, you're such a personable person that that you know engineering. What are you going to do? Talk to a screwdriver? Oh, I loved it. I, you know, I actually believe the best salespeople really know their product, and so some of the best, most talented sales and marketing individuals out there have that engineering background because you know people buy from people they know, they like, and they trust. Yeah. And if you really understand your product. <clears throat> You have to stop yourself and make sure that you have that depth of the bench to, to right. present and, and be, be there for your customer. But, you know, and you can help figure out how you can help them. And at the end of the day, that's your job. You know Helping who's them. an engineer? Lofeld. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, he was at OAO as an engineer. And the then president of OAO said, I'm moving you to business development. And Bob goes, great. What's that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so data gen, uh, and yes, I do remember data general significant player in our market. So I'm assuming you were federally focused at the time. I have been focused on the federal market for, uh, since kindergarten, 30, 34 years. Uh, what's better than working with, um, first off, I love technology. So I, I definitely stayed on that technology path, but working with a customer that has a mission who makes a difference in this world, who gets uh, little old lady checks to teaching our children, to catching the bad guy, being part of that mission. I mean, it's a twofer. It's, and, it's and a great And being thing. in the biggest market in the world. It is also uh, provides a lot of opportunity. So, uh, you know, it's, it's yeah. a hat trick, you might want to yeah. say, those three things together. So where'd you go after data gen? Well, I caught uh, the technology innovation bug. And at the time, I joined a company that um, was just about to IPO. Uh, its name is Oracle. And so I joined Oracle. You joined before? I joined Oracle oh, in 1985, wow. 86. Uh, they actually put before my first day of work. But um, I was there when that company, our first sales club, we celebrated as a company not making any more than revenue of $250 million. So it was a very small company at the time. 
Uh, was there for about four or five years. Like I told you, I'm the luckiest person on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, then went to another startup by the name of Antos, which doesn't exist anymore. But um, it was object-oriented database. It was really a good learning experience for me because their technology was phenomenal. But if you don't have a good business plan, uh, a very focused business plan with very strong leaders, you know, having a great product isn't enough. And then I caught the bug again about a startup. Uh, this startup you may have heard of or two. Its name is EMC. So I joined EMC uh, in 1992. At the time, EMC had less than 600 employees. And if you know anything about EMC's size today, oh, it's yeah. a little bigger. Yeah. Uh, I was there for a decade. And again, focused on the government market, intelligence community, and then expanding uh, to the civilian uh, sector. Uh, then a small company was acquired by Joe Tucci at EMC. And its name was VMware. And I joined VMware, uh, got transferred or chosen to go start their public sector business in 2004. Um, that's when they did less this than- This was a time when a lot of women didn't get those opportunities to no. start those divisions. No, I. There, there's a lot of good people. You know, yeah. Diane Green uh, at the time was uh, running VMware. And uh, she's just amazing. I mean, uh, her vision, her focus, and she took a chance on me. Uh, along no, with she didn't. Carl Eschbach. Your, your background. So I was there almost nine years. Uh, they did about eight, nine million dollars when I joined, and we had like four people on the team. When I left, uh, I, again, I'm very fortunate. Nine years later, we did about six hundred million dollars and a much larger team than four people. But uh, you know, again, I've been very, very fortunate um, on my career. Uh, innovation and seeing where technology solves customers' problems is just key to, uh, you know, really accelerating your career. Yeah, and I like to say that Craig Abot has that ability to pick these technologies that nobody's ever heard of before and fit it into the Kerasoft uh, uh, mosaic, right? Um, <laughs> He's amazing. He, he, he is amazing. But, I mean, you, you've basically done the same thing because you haven't picked a dog here. I remember Antos. So, you know, I, I study the market um, for a variety of reasons, you know, the, the object-oriented approach was relatively new at the time. They were they they made a splash. So, and I'm assuming you were responsible for some of that uh, that that wave-like effect. Uh, you know, having them on my radar. Um, well, thank you. Uh, Antos. When I joined Antos, it was on the front page of Business Week. And again, the technology was solved. The, you know, my background from Oracle and uh, trying to. You know, I had a focus on the intelligence community. The ability to be able to access data in, in a different way was going to really help and solve some problems. But if you don't have the acceleration and the focus in the business plan, the companies that have a bigger war chest, and at the time certainly Oracle did, they caught up and solved the problem in a different way. And so I, I can't say how important that is as you're picking those winners. Now, when I joined VMware, we took a chance on Kerasoft because at the time, uh, he, it was like two or three rooms is the entire office right. space. They yeah. they shared a conference <clears throat> room. And, uh, but when you walked in there, you could feel the excitement and the focus. Craig Abod had a plan. And though there was some much larger companies that were competing for our business at the time to hold our GSA schedule. Oh, yeah. He yeah, was the right one. He are. wanted it. He he was focused, and he was going to partner. And at the end of the day, you know, people partner with people they know they like and they trust. People buy from people they know they like and they trust. Yeah, and and I don't know about you, you, but 
I've always viewed ABOD as, you know, there's a very top tier of people who can sell in this market, and ABOD sits up there mm-hmm. with, you know, maybe a half a dozen other people that I know of. I'm sure there's others, but uh, it's a rare breed. Mm-hmm. I so, agree. Uh, so from, from there, you migrated to, um, you know, where, where my computer opens up. <laughs> That's right, when we started working. I actually failed at retirement at this point. I uh, took uh, three years off, and I, uh, well, not really off. That's where I failed. I started a consulting company um, where I was working with small startups because I really love that excitement and, and focus and drive. And frustration, and too. Probably. Frustration. <laughs> and I also had a radio show here at, uh, at uh, Fed News, uh, you know, called Women of Washington, which still goes with a great uh, uh, host, uh, Gigi Shum. Yep. But um, then, uh, you know, uh, Google called. And uh, I wasn't planning on going back into a really big job, but they were starting and expanding their cloud um, opportunity uh, or practice uh, sales team for the public sector market. And I, I had a great two and a half years, uh, you know, uh, record growth across worldwide, uh, some of the fastest growth rates worldwide, uh, incredible team of people there, great technology, but it was really time for me to also have a more flexible schedule which because of personal issues. And also, I really missed small companies and, you know, the challenges and opportunities that they have and the acceleration. And there's never a better time right now. You know, everybody talks about the hyper-connected world that we live in today, but cloud just changes the game and social media and the ability to be able to have these small companies become that David that takes on Goliath. And... Um, I really miss that. And uh, so, you know, I'm working with I'm an advisor uh, for a couple of startups um, and a couple of accelerator labs. Cool. Good home for you right now. Yeah, it's a great time. Yeah. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. And I'll be back with Aileen right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Uh, I'm here with with uh, I'm not with Gigi Show. So I'm I'm here with Aileen Black, <laughs> um, and uh, we're doing kind of a, a historical perspective here on the evolution of various types of marketing. So let's go back to Data Gen just for a minute. Back then, we had uh, uh, three really significant parts of marketing. We had space advertising, PR, and events. Direct mail was a huge component back then, too. But, you know, I don't think people get letters anymore. Uh, events, PR? Now you spent yeah. a lot of time, uh, you know, uh, regular mail, or as my kids call it, snail mail, yeah. um, was a major component of your marketing uh, strategy. And then, you know, getting on the phone and, and meeting with people, and that was either, you know, uh, smiling, dialing, which I still think is a requirement because you create you – know, or getting in your car and going and meeting oh, with let's, them. Let's, let's, let's emphasize that a little bit. If you are a millennial out there and you have this device on your desk that has, you know, something that you can speak into, uh, pick it up and call somebody. Yes. I, I mean, at the end of the day, people, you might get their attention with other mechanisms, but to really take it to a point where, especially in public sector, because these are people who are not uh, profit driven. These are people who are trying to achieve a mission, and they're there to make a difference. And so they want to buy from people they 
know, they like, and they trust right. um, within the bounds of procurement uh, contracting. And there's so much of that you can do yes. on social. Yes. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you got to talk to people, and whether it be over the phone mm-hmm. or whether it be in person. However, you know, when I did start, it was totally different in the sense, uh, you know, that you spent a lot of time uh, getting in the car or calling, trying to get people on the phone or trying to find phone numbers. Uh, Of course, a lot more information was open and available to you back then because there was less security. Yeah. Um, But uh, you had to have a a much tighter um, strategy to make sure that you're leveraging your time. Uh, Today, there's so many huge opportunities out there with social media to help uh, reach out and uh, and grab some mindshare eyeballs. Yeah. But, you know, in the early 90s, we had the first major sea chain with the web and email. Yeah. Email was, uh, as I shared with you earlier, I worked at Data General all the time, and there was a product called CEO, which was an email product. And actually, I was one of the key engineers that used to go out and do demos before I went into sales uh, for that product. I worked on Capitol Hill cool. supporting the Senate. And I you, can you, remember- You went and did demos in front of real people. I, there were some uh, senators that you would be surprised who I, they would have me come in and go into their office and sit down with these senators and, you know, try to explain to them why it was important that they start leveraging email. Now, these people are well retired now. But I can remember one of them had an antique typewriter in his desk. And he said, why do I need that? What, what do I need to do? Now, he was very effective at that. Obviously, you know, he became a senator and was a senator for 30 plus years. You know, obviously he knew a lot. Yeah. But fast forward with the clock speed of technology and not being able to provide people information that they're you know expecting within seconds email uh, that was a huge uh, change in your ability to be able to leverage your time and reach out to customers yeah and the instant gratification curve has has shrunk uh, tremendous you know if, if, if you want something you know that's what Google's for right you know you can get anything you want boom but there was th- just like on on the hill, there was a lot of resistance in the GovCon community at large initially about using email. And uh, I I worked uh, I advised a company out of Utah, and for the life of me, I can't remember its name, but they were installing the first spam filters in government. And the spam filters have always been there; they get tighter, not looser. So if you don't know the protocols for specific agencies, you know text only uh, in certain instances, no attachments, no PDFs, none of this crap. Uh, otherwise, you're in a black hole from which you will never extract. Um, but now, you know, we have a, a variety of other things. So the, ne- the next big change was the actual web itself. Websites, company websites. My first Amtower and company website was a Yahoo store address. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you make me feel good. <laughs> um, no, certainly websites uh, is your digital presence and uh, the ability to be able to really bring that to life is so important. And, and uh, you know, the ability for people to, to, again, leverage their time and maximize by doing their research. Sometimes that's the first introduction that they have to your company because they don't want to return your call right away. They want to check you out. And, you know, spending time and money in making sure that your website is not only um, exciting and, and uh, informative, but also kept up to date. I see a lot of companies that 
uh, put up their website and then uh, don't update it on a regular basis. You ever and go to sites where the news has something from 2016? That's the lead story. <laughs> check, check let me out. check that out. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's you know, it 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 puts you in a bad light because it certainly the the again the clock speed of innovation today. Um, people are looking for what you're doing and what you can do today. Yes, the whole Web 2.0 revolution, early 2000s, social networking, um, uh, webinars, podcasts, videos, and by then you were at. VMware. Yes. In 2004, I joined VMware. So uh, so you were driving a lot of innovation there uh, with your partner, Kerasoft, but also on your own because VMware has been one of the companies that I monitor as a content generator. So VMware was, as I had mentioned earlier, was a very small company at the time. Um, you know, we had... Uh, Though we were uh, recently, uh, when I joined, had just been required by EMC, but EMC kept them separate. Um, we even had a separate office, still very separate. Um, the stocks tracks separately. So basically, you know, we were a small company. We were a startup. And uh, the key thing that we were able to do is to really leverage social media, leverage somebody like Kerasoft that had... Uh, the depth of experience of leveraging all those different um, capabilities and became that David that took on the Goliath, right. you might want to say, all the hardware companies, because we were talking about something that nobody really understood. Uh, and it was kind of scary. So you went back to the email. Virtual what? Virtual, that's right. Going back to email. And I, I'm thinking, you know, what was the biggest challenge I had when I walked the halls of the Hart Building there on Capitol Hill? And it was the idea that somebody was going to put their ideas on something and it was going to go somewhere that they can't see anymore and they could lose control of their communications, that it could get compromised or somebody who shouldn't read my email can read my email. Well, you take technology like virtualization and you take it one step further. Now your servers were living on a server of physical hardware and you were condensing all those physical servers that you normally could go hug and they were virtual and you might be there with a lot of your neighbors. You might be there with, you know, a Republican senator and a uh, Democrat senator might be on the same server. So, you know, it really... Cohabitation. Cohab you know, getting an understanding of the security, uh, you know, importance and understanding it was key. But, um, you know, technology is, is changing. And if you don't, uh, you know, both understand it and understand its limitations, mm -hmm. you, you're going to get left behind. You are. You are indeed. So fast forward once again. I mean, you know, number one, Kerasoft from day one has had on their homepage uh, events, primarily webinars. And you guys were an early beneficiary or partner there, too. How do people learn? Well, they want to learn on their own time. They want to do it, you know, 24-7, 365. What better way to do it than to have webinars focused on one very particular aspect of a tool? Yeah. You know, I, I, g going back into the early 90s, I remember there was a big controversy with uh, a, a federal executive that had gotten an online degree. And which is crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, and today, you know, the majority of the people uh, getting degrees um, and, and whether it be a traditional university or just an online university, my, my, I have kids in college right now and part of their classes are always online. 
So I, I think, again, uh, you know, perceptions, the ability to be able to leverage. But at the end of the day, if you can save people time and you can give them instant gratification for their goal and objective, uh, that is going to catch on. I mean, those are two vectors you should always look out for when you're, you, you know, you solve somebody's problem, you you provide an easy mechanism or a, 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 a understandable method to kind of solve it. Yep. Uh, and then you give them the confidence that um, it's going to work. And if you can do those things in your marketing efforts, you're going to help them reach their goal. And that's at the end of the day, what we're all trying to do, right? Right. Where we're trying to to help somebody achieve the results they're focused on getting. Right. And that part hasn't changed since day one when both of us came into the market. The venues for doing that have changed. Right. So we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. If you want to find Aileen, it's A-I-L-E-E-N, Aileen Black. Find her on LinkedIn, and we'll return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Aileen Black. Uh, Neither of us like this stuff, so you aren't going to detect any enthusiasm at all for these topics. Um, We're going to take a little bit of a dive into, actually, we're going to take a long bit of a dive into Hinge Marketing's uh, 2019 high growth study. Uh, I talked to to Lee about this last week in in great depth, but Aileen is a a practitioner. She's been doing this stuff uh, for major players in our market for for a few weeks now. Uh, So I I really wanted her take on it. So there's five uh, uh, major factors that Lee identifies, Lee Fredrickson of Hinge. Uh, The the differentiation, the spend on marketing, the M&A, uh, highlighting your SMEs and then social channels mixed with traditional. So let's start off with differentiation. How how have how has that impacted what you do? How important has differentiation been for you working with the companies that you worked for? Well, first, Mark, I, I just want to thank you for introducing me to this study. It was uh, quite a great read, and it reinforced uh, a lot of things that I, I felt was the case, mm-hmm. but uh, was very well written and laid out. Um, so I love when research backs up what I think. Yeah, well, it, it gives you the ability to be able to then quote it, which I yeah. probably will uh, in the future. But um, the, the key thing with uh, people, you know, especially in the government market, mm-hmm. right? Um, lowest bidder wins, right? So if you don't have a key differentiator, um, then you won't be able to uh, be able to justify why your product is really going to help a customer solve a problem versus somebody else's. Then it's lower, lowest bid. And in today's market, there's so much competition, right? There's so much confusion. There's so much marketing out there that um, has a tendency to be uh, maybe generous in their ability to be able to say what they can do and what they can't do, especially when you're a small company. Because, you know, the innovation that is available out there, the the clock speed of what is happening in technology today, there's some products and capabilities out there that can really solve some hard problems. But if you don't explain it, if you don't provide that differentiation to the customer, understand, I always call it the pain versus gain formula. If you don't solve the problem in somebody's head that uh, I have a pain, 
And if I leverage your product, which I've never heard of before, and I have a thousand things I'm already dealing with, and now I'm going to deal with yet another thing. If you don't show the pain versus gain formula for somebody, why should they? Why would they pay attention or let alone buy what you're trying to um, supply to them to help solve their problems? Yeah, and that, that gets back to things that you said earlier. If this is not explained on the website or via your social platforms, um, you know, you're you're undercutting your credibility. That's right. And, and uh, you know, the most important uh, moment you have with a customer is in the beginning because, let's face it, the one thing in life that we were all going to eventually run out of is time. It's the most valuable asset all of us have. Yep. And if you're wasting their time, I, I remember when I first got into sales, um, one of the key questions they teach you how to ask your customers was, what keeps you up at night? It drives me crazy when I hear somebody ask me that. Because today, you should have done your homework already. You should know the answer. You should know that answer and not ask me to tell you what homework you should have already accomplished those answers. So if you can't present that, then maybe you need to relook at what your product does or, or you know, what problem you're solving or even maybe even what target market you're going after. Exactly. So you're, you're, you may be a fit in interior, but you're not a fit in the intelligence community. Exactly. So. And, and your differentiation is your branding, right? You want people to think, hey, when, when, when somebody thinks about VMware, they think of virtualization. Certainly they do a lot more things today. Right. But, you know, it's your brand. And so you really want to make sure that, A, that you're, you you think through what that brand is going to be because that's hard to kind of undo over time mm -hmm. um, and that you evolve your brand. Um, and, and it's important that you are part of that branding, right? People are going to look at the company website. They're going to look up that person and things like and, and LinkedIn, and they're going to decide, hey, I, am I going to take my precious time, the one thing that we're all running out of, and I'm going to spend it with you know, company A versus company B. Yeah. Well, those vetting mechanisms this is what we're talking about. If you're not immediately vettable by the person or group of people that you're reaching out to uh, in a way that compels them to accept a call, accept a meeting, you're toast. That's right. I, I totally agree with you. And, and it's insulting that you would waste somebody's time. If, yes. if you aren't, um, you know, making sure that you're, you're adding value to their day, that they walk away from that meeting going, uh, not only was that a good use of my time, I'd like to spend more time. I want to pick up the phone yeah. and ask that person that next question. Phone. Phone. <laughs> That's again. right. Yeah, <laughs> that old-fashioned thing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the, the interesting thing, uh, I've, I've, Lee, Lee comes on every year when he releases his study. Uh, last year, the next point wasn't on there. The spend on marketing is not decreasing as it has in past years. It's increasing. So when you're faced with your role, and regardless of which firm you were in, whenever there's a slight crunch in the market, did they ping your budget first? Well, I was uh, quite aggressive about marketing. So I believe really? marketing... <laughs> really? <laughs> Funny. Um, it... Uh, you know, marketing, especially in in the public sector market and government, is your competitive weapon, right? It 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 is truly where you can make a difference, right? And so I, I always aggressively, matter of fact, I remember at VMware, um, 
one of the very first hires I insisted on was actually a marketing person, which none of my peers had. And but it, it's extremely important to get your messaging out there because you can't uh, you, you're you're not going to be able to do things like lavish events, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, government customers can't participate. So you need to get the word out there, leverage those traditional and now new channels. And you, you got to do it often and you have to be, you know, you have to do it often and add value at the same time, which right. is why you have to really invest in uh, making sure that you've defined that brand, that you, you know, you have a plan that's consistent and Follow-up is important, that you just don't put something on the, the walls of the, the metro station and not have a call to action. Right. And that that call to action has a follow-up activity, right, uh, in, in a touch point. And you make sure that that touch point is valuable. So uh, I think one of the other things in the study is is uh, subject matter experts. Yeah, we're going to get there. Yep. So, yeah, but, I mean, you know, to your point, that that, that call to action, the follow-up is, is key. But establishing your presence, if you do it right, all of a sudden the marketing has an exponential reach. It's not just a one-on-one kind of gig. Yeah, it's not just marketing. You're adding value out there that they're going to use and, and, and share. And share, sort of like this study, right? Yeah. So it's 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 providing that kind of valuable insight that makes people invite you back in. You yeah. know, I, I always use the analogy as is you want your customers to want to go uh, invite you into their kitchen to eat at their kitchen table, right? You want to have somebody who trusts you to the point where they're going to share with you their biggest challenges so that you can rise to the occasion and help them solve them. That's a customer for life. So some of my biggest customers are customers I've had for years from company to company because at the end of the day, they know that not only will I be there my my team will be there for when you know times are good and there's a big procurement but hey when something doesn't go right which trust me it will that you're going to be there and 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 make it right yep we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to wrap up three points on the high growth study uh i'm here with aileen black again you can find aileen on linkedin and uh, um, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Back after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Aileen Black, and we're parsing the latest uh, Hinge Marketing study. You can find that at hingemarketing.com, and it's the 2019 High Growth Study. Uh, we're on to uh, something that you've been through a few times, Aileen, M&A. So if you're going to expand your market today, uh, you got to think outside the box. And if you really look at companies, whether it be traditional um, systems integrators like uh, General Dynamics acquiring CRSA, yeah. or you're looking at uh, companies like Microsoft, uh, you know, buying a company like LinkedIn, um, they're thinking outside of the box and they're gaining market momentum and new touch points. Back in the 80s or 90s, you saw a lot of companies acquire technology companies and then kind of um, disbanding them and just taking advantage of their install base. But the M&As today, you see, is really expanding their reach and accelerating their ability to be able to innovate solving their customers' problems. And you can even see the way that the M&As get announced and the reasoning behind it, or really even the the price tags Mm -hmm. on some of these uh, uh, mergers and acquisitions. 
Yeah, and I, I do a, a couple of shows a year with uh, with the Kips DeSanto guys so we can parse some of the deals that are coming down, some of the deals that are done, but try to look at, at you know the strategy behind these. So it's a constant part of our universe. If you get you know news feeds like Potomac TechWire or, or Wash Tech, you know, every week somebody's buying somebody or companies are merging. So, but let's let's migrate on to point number four in the study because it's it's one of my favorites, and that's the uh, highlighting subject matter experts. Well, you know, uh, you know, people want to work with companies that know their stuff and subject matter experts. You, whether it be internal or external make a huge difference. So, you know, actually having, you know, customers testimonials or stories about showing um, how things work or or having information out there or having individuals that can speak in public that can add value to somebody's, you know, time that they're using to read or listen, they're going to learn from them. And, uh, you know, you see a lot of companies right now, whether it be any of the cloud companies right now are offering free training online. And that is allowing people to take advantage of the subject matter experts they have. Yep. Uh, and it's also helping to <clears throat> introduce them to become more subject matter experts. And things that people know and understand, they're much more likely to have the confidence to leverage. So it's subject matter experts and hiring the right people for the right job. It's sort of like, why would you uh, use a screwdriver when you really need a wrench? Mm-hmm. It is, is a good investment. Yes. And I coach people to develop that subject matter expert platform. But part of what I'm coaching them on is not just your technical ability or a process that you've evolved. If you've worked with a particular customer segment before, there's sales and BD people who are subject matter experts in dealing with, you know, the IC, with components of DOD, with very specific civilian agencies. I've seen people build careers out of BD for the Department of Energy or any number of other government agencies. If you understand the business processes inside the agencies, if you know the personnel, if you know how they buy stuff, and you've seen the evolution of their pain points, you're an extremely valuable subject matter expert to someone. Well, you know, one of the fantastic things about the government market is how big it is and how diverse it is. But with that goes along something else, Mark. It's complex. And so uh, one of the best things that um, I have been able to uh, do to to grow all these companies to such large is you got to hire people who know their stuff. And usually it's very rare you find somebody who knows everything, right? Matter of fact, I don't think I've met one. Um, So you, you have to develop some internal subject matter experts on your product, but you also need to, you know, spice it up or, or actually increase your momentum by leveraging outside consultants. So I've always had a blend. And the key thing is to, um, you know, identify where you need these subject matter experts, whether it be in creating a board or creating uh, hiring consultants or hiring, you know, great technology leaders that are coming out of the government, mm. um, but then empowering them to provide you with that information uh, to either just listen or to allow them to do their job and get out of their way. And, you know, that's where you know, companies can truly have a ton of momentum if they have that confidence and understanding of where they want to go and then hiring the right assets, whether it be internal, external, uh, to get the job done. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm just getting ready to start a gig with a uh, marketing services firm. And I was brought in for something that I've never been brought in before. And it's exactly that. Can you teach my staff like the, the big picture about the government market? What is it? How it works? Where we fit in the food chain? I'm going, yeah, I can probably do that, but I need a little while to think about it. <laughs> You know, Mark, I, I, as I shared with you, I did several consulting. And, and of course, when you're starting a government business for uh, larger companies, unfortunately, uh, on most of them, I, they, they started the government practice, uh, you know, a secondary. And, and the reason why they do it isn't because it's worth a lot. I mean, the 20 to 24 percent of the GDP is you know, government spend, spend, right? You go into the, the, you know, walk into the mall and and talk to, well, in D.C. it's going to be much higher, but anywhere in the country, you, you you know, one in six, you know, uh, two in six uh, folks are going to either work or support the government, whether it be state and local or federal. Um, Why would you completely ignore that market? I mean, when you start looking at the size of the market in the U.S. alone as compared to major companies, right? I mean, the the state of California is the fourth or fifth largest economy in the world. There's a lot of business to be had without having to, you know, cross the pond, right? right. So, why wouldn't you invest in that? It's probably a, 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 a shorter reach, but it is complex. It, and so people yes. don't, they're afraid of it. And complexity means, you know, scary, right? So, you know, if, if you can hire an expert to help you translate what it is you're doing, translate government, uh, government is just a, an ecosystem of the same businesses, you know, uh, whether it be, um, you know, retail or uh, research and development or financial, um, it just has a different set of, exactly, energy, it's, you know. if you're already doing it out there, you can yeah. do it in here, it's just a different set of procurement and contracting rules and, and how they can uh, consume technology, but, you know, it's, it's, I'm sorry to put it this way, but it's crazy nutty stuff not to pursue this market, especially under the current momentum that uh, the current administration for, uh, you know, leveraging especially technology. Yep. All right. We're going to move into our, our last part of Lee's study, and that is melding the social channels with traditional networking. And we, we've, we've touched on, but we really haven't looked at uh, the social channels out there. So, from uh, your perspective over the last uh, five, six, seven years, two positions, what what are the major social channels for GovCon? Well, you know, uh, this is going to maybe uh, not be a surprising answer, but uh, LinkedIn is huge. Yeah. Uh, people really leverage LinkedIn, and I would say LinkedIn would almost be number one and number two. Uh, within the the social networking paradigm, I mean, people do have some Facebook pages. Mm-hmm. You know, there is uh, Twitter. Obviously, would be another social platform. But for getting information, I find LinkedIn to be one and two, and then with a close third to, to Twitter. Uh, Twitter does limit. You know, it's l- longer than it was traditionally, and you can put links in there. Uh, but Twitter go, moves so fast. But I think you, the key to it is combining it. You don't pick one platform. You, you actually make your plan to make sure you sprinkle it and making sure that um, you have your branding in mind. Yeah. And your, well, you your, said it earlier. It's all got to be part of a larger plan, and you have to know when to do each component and what you're going to put there. Exactly. So, Yeah, I mean, as, as you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of LinkedIn. I've been training companies on LinkedIn now for 10 years. 
but it has to coordinate with that live because we are a relationship-driven market. If if you can't put a face on it, if you can't shake a hand, sooner or later, it's going to just wither and die. Yeah, but you keep up to date with things like uh, LinkedIn and Twitter about what's going on. Mm-hmm. I see who's taking new jobs mm-hmm. and and uh, how many years they've been there or, or read about something they're working on. And, and social media is is about to get even more effective when you start combining it with um, AI and machine learning. Uh, you know, the ability to be able to truly leverage that and almost in real time become more effective in measuring your efforts and then, you know, targeting more. And we, we certainly have seen in the news some, you know, some recent uh, history where, you know, that has uh, produced the exact results that they wanted. Yeah. Um, it, it is a little bit, um, you know, scary in some sense. But uh, if, if you don't learn how to leverage that, you're going to be squandering your marketing dollars in, in the future yeah. uh, to really become more effective. And there, there are a few things more gratifying for me as a consultant than especially when I finish a longer term LinkedIn training gig than to have people call and go, we're, we're now, I'm now up to like 73 connections in this agency or my high water mark was when somebody I trained at LMI several years ago called and said, I've won task order business from my LinkedIn profile. Wow. You go, dude, <laughs> knock it out of the park. But you know, everybody, everybody who worked with LMI knew them and knew the contracts that they bought off of, right? And, and it was a lot of agency specific stuff, IC, DOD, and DOE. So they knew who this guy was, but apparently they weren't familiar with the entire scope of what he did. And before I got there, everybody's profile was consultant at LMI, no details. See, there's your 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 point reinforced right there. Um, you know, it's not only branding for your company, but branding for you as a person, right? We, we've been saying this over and over again on the show uh, today that, um, you know, people buy from people they know, they like, and they trust. So it really has to be a combination. I, I you know, I, I had shared with you, Mark, earlier that I have uh, four kids. And, um, you know, social media can also do some damage when they're, you know, when you're not thinking about what you're posting. And so I, from day one, before they could have a Twitter handle or Instagram or, or what, social media so, or Facebook, sort, yeah. you know, uh, every single time I get a chance, I reinforce that n- nothing can be deleted. People see these things and you can't, you know, you can't erase that once somebody sees something like that. So, you know, it's real important that you think through and, and that you, you show uh, who you are. Add value and be vettable. That's right. Bingo. Aileen, thank you so much for coming in. This is a blast. Um, Mark, it's been a pleasure and thank you for having me. Hey, anytime you want to come back, you let me know when. You got it. This is not my day job. I advise companies on all aspects of marketing to the government, but I focus particularly on social networking, primarily LinkedIn, building that subject matter expert and content marketing. And all of these things are interrelated. So if that resonates at all, drop me a line at mark at federaldirect.net. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.
there are a million reasons e-commerce shoppers don't buy. In fact, 97% abandon their first store visit. AdRoll retargeting keeps your brand on their mind, so they come back to buy. Visit AdRoll.com to start retargeting today. Your story. It lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.